Hello and welcome to episode 1152 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, March 6th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this afternoon by Mr. Justin Mason. Justin, good day, sir. Good day. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, nice weather. Baseball's on. It's all good. Shark's yeah. a little under the weather, but other than that, we're getting that we're getting that looked at. But uh, everything else going all right. How about yourself? Uh, I am in the middle of draft mania. I just finished my TGFBI draft. And what? Uh, yeah, we're we're done. Shut up, dude. What what round are you in? We just hit the twentieth. Oh, okay. Well, that's not as bad as we picked up uh, some pay. We picked up the pace over the weekend, and like no one, like really, I, I'm not here to like dog anybody out. I think you guys were more fast because you and Justin, uh, you Jason, and you know, and I were all on a thread. I think you guys are more fast than we were slow because like once we got going, I think that first day was a little slow for my league, but then we got going. I think we're fine. I just can't believe you're done. Yeah. Well, I mean. I think people are afraid to draft slow when they're drafting with the person running the thing. And so like I next year then I think, I think everybody wants to be in my league one. I'm beatable Two, It's uh, (laughs) two. Yeah. I tend to be in, in faster leagues there. there, I was uh, recording with uh, Bruce Cagle jr. For the friends fantasy benefits podcast. We talked about my draft and his draft. He was in round 13 last night. Um, So it could be a lot worse. Like I said, I really think we got off to a slow start, but we've we've been we've been fine since. It's not something, and I'm not Mister Draft complainer. I don't sit around telling everyone hurry up or whatever. And so you know it's fine. And I, I think our group's been good. We have a little Twitter group that we've been helping people. Uh, we yeah. even had like you know Brent Hershey was at uh, FPAS, or I guess it's not FPAS. It's football or football. Yeah, It's labor. But it's labor. Um, yeah. And so, you know, he was keeping up on everything. We were helping him. If, if he was caught up, he just said, hey, just hit me up here. I'll, you know, I'll be good. Um, so, you know, and uh, I know Matt Thompson was going on like a flight the other day. He was fine. You know, we've been fine. We've been fine. I'm just surprised that you're done. But good for you. But you're also. In we weren't even the draft. first draft finished. Like another draft finished yesterday morning. Good um, those drafts. So awesome. like, yeah, we'll be done. Uh, we'll be done. The problem is there's no advantage to finishing fast. That's also true. I know everybody wants to, but there's actually a disadvantage. For instance, like, you know, I got Joe Musgrove uh, when, you know, uh, not seeing the news that he had, you know, broken his toe. Uh, Leody Tavares apparently has some sort of side issue that came out today. He's on my team. So, like, my team's already beat up because we finished fast. Yeah. Um, Justin Turner got hit in the face today. That was oh, awful. No. I haven't seen it with him. I I think you want to see it, man. Like I, uh, I'm not good with stuff like that. And obviously, you know, it's more important that Justin Turner comes out all right than my little weak stomach. But uh, yeah, that that stuff's tough. Uh, I see now with Leone low grade left oblique strain. We'll actually get into that because we're going to talk post hype today. I should have went and looked who suggested it, but credit to the person on Twitter who said we should do a post hype episode, which we always do. And I figure we'll. Now's as good a time as any. We're done with the positional previews. So why don't we just do it now and talk about some post-hype hitters? We spent you know a couple weeks talking pitchers. So today we've got 13 hitters who I think kind of fit in that post-hype mold. And we run the gamut here. We got a guy who's inside the top 100, and yet he still qualifies, all the way to guys being drafted pretty late that they weren't necessarily drafted high last year either, but they are no longer getting that. Oh my God, he's coming up. He's the next one. He they they never got like their Jordan Walker window, their J Rod window. So let's just get into it. Let's start right away with the top guy. A lot of people can probably guess who it is if they if they just think real quick. It is indeed Wander Franco. Now I will say, and I've mentioned this a few different times, I was hoping for a bigger discount. There is a discount relative to last year, and now that I realize what it was, I'm like, okay, it's bigger than I thought because he was going around pick eighty, around pick fifty-seven last year. Uh, with an ADP, so, you know, 55 to 60. And this year he's at 81. So you're getting a couple rounds. I kind of thought he might go outside the top 100, though. To the credit of the community, they're sticking around there with Wander Franco, and I don't blame him because I'm actually back in now. I was out last year at that price pretty adamantly. I wrote him on, you know, my uh, list of guys that I'm I'm crossing off. He was not Yeah, we, we got trolled pretty hard last year when he started know. off, like, the first month, yep. like, and he Super looked great. hot, yeah. And you know what? And like, I understand the whole. Well, you know, if he doesn't get hurt, this and that. It's all part of it, though. My whole thing, my main thing, though, wasn't that I, I would never take injury as the main reason. I guess unless that was like 
like a tower glass now. Wait. You could be like, no, no, I'm taking that victory lap because no, no, I am he, too. I'm, yeah. I'm saying, but injury wasn't my reasoning. Yeah. I'm just saying I didn't think he had fantasy juice. So double, double what he did, right? He played exactly. Franco played 83 games. That's 12, 16 on the homers and steals with a 277 average. Um, you know, we can just do the easy double because he played 83 games. I'm even giving you a little extra there. That's 92 runs. That's 66 ribbies. That's not that hard for a top four round pick. So I, I'm taking the, the the dub on that too. I still feel good. What I was saying was injury was not what I baked in there. I just didn't think he had enough fantasy heat to go where Wander Franco was going. That said, the two out the two round discount, another you know uh, sample of major league work under his belt. I'm a bit more back in now. I still worry that some of the fantasy juice isn't there, but with the price coming down, I can get more into it. That said, I haven't targeted him. Um, he hasn't been somebody I'm drafting a bunch, but I'm not out the way I was last year. Where do you stand on Franco now after a year off when, uh, that we both took last year? I think he's kind of perfectly ranked by the market. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, like I'm, I have him pretty much like right at ADP. I've drafted him already once this year. I have no problem drafting him again. I see a huge upside. You know, you see that 94% zone contact last year. I mean, that is elite. He, and it, it it backs up exactly what prospect evaluators said about him, which is he's got an elite hit tool. The yep. question is, how much power do we see from him? He hits the ball hard, but it's a lot of the, you know, a lot of his hard contact is, you know, line drives or on the ground. Uh, so I think high average, 15-ish home runs, I think the question becomes, for me, is he one of these guys who really benefits from the stolen base rules? We know he has some speed, right? Like, good speed. Because uh, he wants to take advantage. But, yeah, do the Rays let him take advantage? Um, and does he want to take advantage, right? Uh, and so, like, I think he... I kind of have him, I think, for about a 15-15 season. Uh, with, you know, with a good average. Like, I think he could probably hit 290. I got um, 287 for Franco. 14 homers, set 11 steals. 92 runs, too. I think the runs could be where you yep. really cash in. Mm-hmm. problem is, is his two biggest categories, and I said this last year about Franco, are dependent on quality luck, which is your batted mm-hmm. ball. Um, and you can create your own luck by making quality contact. I grant that. Yep. But then also your team. They need to drive him in. And so yeah. that's the tough part. And that's what, what I mean by his fantasy juice not really being there. It's still not up there. But at 81, pick 81, I can get on the Wander Franco train because I have him ranked within that range. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in now uh, this year with the price change. I think he also represents one of the last guys at shortstop that you want at shortstop. Um, you know, I think him, Tim Anderson, if you're into Sandiger, Bogarts, and William Thomas are like the last of that tier before you start getting into the guys where uh, I don't really want them uh, mm-hmm. as my everyday shortstop. So, yeah. Uh, and he, he definitely will drop in drafts. Uh, you know, max pick is 116. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with Wonder Franco. He's not a target for me, but he's definitely not someone who's off my board by any stretch of imagination. Yep, that's exactly where I come out with Wander Franco. Um, so it always comes down to price. We talk about that a lot and what a difference a year makes. I don't know if you heard about this guy, so I'm going to put you on. Mm-hmm. If you've ever heard of Jared Kielinich? I, I mm. uh, I'm struggling on the name. Yeah, it's, it's definitely Jared because it's R E D are the last three letters, so that's red. Yeah, and Jar Jar Red Jar Red Jar Red Yeah Jar Red Key K E L E so Keely Keely Niche or Nick. I don't know if it's a Niche or a Nick at the end, but it's Jar Red Keely Niche. Well, I know that Jared Kelnick is my niche uh, right now. <laughs> that so. is your niche. And yeah. uh, I did hear, and to share a little bit of a personal news, um, that you got caught viewing his videos on Pornhub. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's yeah. embarrassing. That's there embarrassing. may or may not be a restraining order at this point for I, me. Uh, the interesting part was I heard you uploaded them to Pornhub. Yes. And then you wanted to watch them still. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. could have just watched them on your own computer. Then you don't have. Yeah, I jokingly, I jokingly, when like the whole Justin Mason bathing suit thing uh, came out and I wore it and stuff, I jokingly said I was going to start up in OnlyFans um, with like there just being one tier at sixty nine cents a month, um, 
And I, I kind of want to do that and then just upload videos of like players I really like. Yeah, uh, just going crazy or like workout mm -hmm. photos. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, this is amazing uh, what he's doing. I mean, he's, he's got four been, homers. Let me, let me yeah. set it up for you. You got four homers. The one yesterday over the batter's eye against Devin Williams was hot. Let's put the jokes aside for a moment. Obviously, you're already in. But what does this do for? I mean, honestly, if anything, this hurts you because his price is going to start. It, going and that's up. that's where I was going with this. So this, I, I, this I is fully awful. Grant that. Yeah. <laughs> but but how do you analyze this? Right, like again, you're already in, so I know it's hard for you. Maybe the question's better for me, somebody who's a little bit more tepid on him. But what does this do for Kelnick's stock and how you feel about him? Um, are you being you know buoyed by this? You're saying, you know what, I am right here. I do like this. Or is it still just four homers in a week, and you're like, okay, this is good, but this is already a guy I like, so I, I'm not, I'm not going to further move him up. I'm already taking him where I'm taking him. Yeah, it's the latter. Uh, I, I was talking to my chat today. Someone was asking me, I can't remember what player it was. Uh, you know, like, or, or I think they were just asking a general question about like the WBC and guys are going to have big platforms and the prices are going to go up, and then mm -hmm. and like, how am I adjusting my game plan for that? And I'm not like I. I I honestly, while I watch base, while I watch baseball during spring training, I'm mostly watching it because I miss baseball. Yeah, I um, just have it on. I don't even really watch. Yeah, games. and I, I mean, I read the box scores. You know, we did a we did a kind of impromptu <laughs> watch party on Friday. I'll probably do another impromptu watch party this Friday. Uh, so now people have a little bit of notice. So in, in the Discord uh, of the, of the Patreon, yeah. So uh, just just anticipate that we'll do some sort of watch party this Friday. Um, in the discord um so but i i did it because i wanted to watch james paxton and i wanted to see him and that's the kind of stuff that i care about right like yep. you know kodai senga i wanted to watch him because i don't know i didn't know what to make of him and i, I mean i still don't know what to make of him completely but um you know the things i really care about in spring training are mechanical changes mm -hmm. um either hitter or pitcher right? uh, hitter or pitcher um I care about velocity for pitchers uh, um, and I, you know, pitch mix changes like a, a guy is throwing it through guy is says he's going to throw a new pitch and is actually throwing it in spring yes. training or dumps um, a pitch to uh, or dumps a pitch, improve yep. his, his arsenal somehow. Yes. And then any sort of massive change in strikeout or walk rate, strikeouts, uh, walks and power. That's why the yeah. Kelnick thing can matter because it's been observed that a big power surge can be indicative of positive things yeah. coming for a guy if they're well above their established power level, which, of course, Kelnick is right now with four homers in six games. Yeah. So, I mean, I started doing my prep in September. I'm not throwing out almost six months of prep because a guy goes on a Mike Moustakis or Mikel Franco type tear during spring training. Yep. Um, now... Does it make me feel better about the prep I've already done that a guy like Jared Kelnick is hitting the cover off the ball and he was a guy I was already targeting? Absolutely. But am I now going to jump him three or four rounds ahead of where I was taking him to make sure I'm getting him? Probably not. Um, the thing I am doing, though, this year, and I did it in TGFBI, and I feel, a lot, I feel really, really good about it, is that after, you know, I find a you know, a demarcation point in every draft. Now, uh, typically it's about halfway through the draft. So in a 30 round draft, you know, 15 rounds in and I'm throwing ADP out the window mm -hmm. uh, and I'm just going and getting the guys I want. Uh, and so I got Jared Kelnick. I got uh, TJ Friedel, you know, I got Leody Tavares. Um, you know, I miss out on Kyle Bradish, but I got Jose Suarez. Like uh, I am this year, because of all the work I've done with my projections and, you know, Tanner Bell's amazing uh, sheet, smartfantasybaseball.com. Uh, like, I'm I'm feeling more and more confident that, you know, screw ADP. I'll play the ADP games early to try to see if, you know, if there's a guy I think that's really underrated by the market. But moving forward, I'm just going and getting my guys. I'm with that. You, you know, that's, that's one of our mottos here about go get your guys. And obviously, it's within reason, of course. You like... Wander Franco, don't take him back at pick 40 the where he was going last year. Wait, wait a bit. That's why the ADP can be a guide. And it is that early, those early handful of rounds, really the first half of the draft that I think it should be your guide. And then as things open up, you can start to get three, four, five, six, seven rounds 
beyond ADP, maybe not seven, but you know what I mean? Like you can start to really open up and take the guys that you want because it only takes one other person to snipe you. Yeah, and, exactly. And that's, that's what can happen. You know, Kelnick, by the way, last year, 137 ADP down to 221 this year, obviously with a green arrow next to it because of these, these four homers. But I don't think he's going to get back up to 137 unless, honestly, if he hits like 12 homers, maybe. But I don't even what what is a what is a normal spring training home run leader hit? Do like, you know? Like 10, 10, yeah, 10 okay. or 11, so, probably. I guess yeah. maybe. I guess maybe 12. Eight last year for Harper. Um, we'll go back to 2019. The the like the most normal season before that was really quickly sorry seven so not even not even really yeah. double digits so he's already got four maybe he does hit double digits kelnick does and then we'll see what happens but, but uh, i mean if he starts going like if he starts going in the top 150 one you know 30 like i think even you're out like i can't like yeah i yeah, mean I then you're passing over guys who are established um or at least guys with like you know, Cody Ballinger has first round upside and he's going like, you know, pick 160. Am I really going to, yeah, am I really going to take Jared Kelnick over Cody Ballinger? I'm, I'm not. Like, I just, I, I will, I will just miss out and be happy with my early shares at that point. Yeah, because you do have shares and that's one of the things. And I, I will about. expect to cut off everybody else's winnings when he has a monster season because I, and I it wasn't just me on him, but yeah, like, Jared I, Kelnick. I, won't, I won't my cut. Still has a 29% K rate. I just want to point that out. I mean, it's four strikeouts. It's four homers. Yeah. His strikeout rate and homer rate are pretty the same. Or, kind, the exact kind of same. my point, though. Which, which one do you think is going to change more over the rest of the spring? I think, he, I think he's going to hit. I think he's going to have 29% of his, you know. Hits are going to be homers? At, at, at play appearances are homers. 29% of his play appearances are going to be homers? Okay. okay. I think that's if, possible. If he does that. If Kelnick does that, okay, I'll get off his back. If he does that for yeah. the whole spring and doesn't, you know, go out tomorrow, so that. What do you think? The, what do you think? We're going to be in Vegas in a few weeks. What do you think the Vegas odds on him being like um, MVP? <laughs> I put what's a dollar on him. Like, yeah, what's what's the highest? I put a dollar on him. Will they even take that bet from you? Yeah, is the question. Would um, he qualify as comeback player of the year? Sure. Maybe maybe I'll so. put maybe I'll put I mean, twenty because, bucks on him to be comeback player of the year. Like they do it for injured guys who didn't do anything, so it's not like you have to have X number of plate appearances. I don't believe, and his 184 plate appearances last year, 181 rather, were not a huge sample, but he was really, really bad too. So I feel like he should be able to qualify for yeah. that. And I guess the one thing is with the comeback, though, that would imply a previous height that he hasn't reached. For Kevin yeah, Kevin. maybe, maybe. So that's I, I don't know, but I don't know what the rules are. I really, really don't. Um, but he could be breakout player of the year. I, know I bet you they've got like a, I bet they've got an over under on his home runs. Maybe that if I can. They, they could have. I I could see something. If not, yeah. maybe like DraftKings at, at the very least, like an online uh, book might have it. Let's talk about our guy, Brian Hayes. It's been a while since we talked about him. Back on the third base preview, we had a nice lively debate with regards to his power. We do not need to rehash that, but I figured he was worth including here because uh, you know the price has come down. Uh, he's down yeah. about. Almost two rounds as well in that 40 to 50 pick range here. Pick 130 last year, 180 this year, thereabouts. So you are getting that discount. Like I said, I know we ended up disagreeing about like where his power is. I want to reiterate just that I, I don't think it's like extreme. I just think that he can get like to 15 homers, which would be pretty nice. So that would be doubling what he did last year, but I don't think that that's out, out of the question. Given where he goes, though, at pick like one between 180 and 200 with Cabrian Hayes. He doesn't really need to be all the way up there. So you don't even have to get on board with that to possibly be interested in him. Where does your interest currently lie with Cabrian Hayes? Because we've been on the train together. We've now since diverged on that power potential. But where are you on, on Cabrizi's overall potential? So third base is a weird position because I know a lot of people have said like, oh, third base sucks, third base sucks. I, I'm sure I said it at some point Correct. early on in, in draft season. It's not as bad as people make it out to be. It's bad, like in the middle. Like it's got a soft underbelly. That and second base both have different ways of sucking. Well, second base is atrocious. Like there's no thing though. You're going to turn around and do the same thing. The second base, yeah, they're different though. Second base doesn't have star power, but then it has a glob this large of the same player. Like second baseman six down to second baseman seven hundred is the same guy. I, aren't you saying similar about third base though? Uh, outside of that star group, then then it's a big. Glob, no, I think it, I. No, I don't think it's a big glob. I think I think there are like 
red flags in the middle. And then I think there are really intriguing upside plays and some, you know, boring vets uh, that make up the lower end. I mean, and I think that Cabrian Hayes is weirdly getting pushed down into that kind of lower end. I mean, he's going off as a 13th third baseman off the board behind an injured Jose Miranda. Um, Eugenio Suarez, who like is, is fine for what he does, yeah. but like if he hits his own body weight, I'd be shocked. I, I still have some concerns about his batting average. Like I, I, I grant that Suarez held up last year in uh, Seattle because he has everywhere power and he had a hell of a season, 31 homers, 236 average, but that's coming off of a uh, combined like 200 in his previous 800 plate appearances, 199 actually to be exact. I'm still dubious on Suarez a bit, and yeah. I don't want that batting average sinkhole. Yeah, I mean Max Muncy like is going off as the ninth uh, third baseman. We know okay that they're. That. I mean, I'm okay with it, but we also know that there are like there are red flags, and that Dodger lineup is not nearly as good as it was to kind of help buoy up, you know, some of. He, uh, he closed strong, man. I think I think he's back. I really don't have any lingering concerns yeah. about Muncy. But I mean, he's going. Cabrian Hayes is going like right next to Alec Baum, mm-hmm. um, who I think has probably maybe a safer floor, but I don't think has the upside. I added him to this list since you last oh. looked at it with Stott. Okay, we'll talk about too. So we can talk more about Baum later. But yeah, he's, like, he's drops and drops to the point where I end up with him. Like I don't have him super highly ranked, but like a lot of people are he ends up on a lot of my teams. Uh, you know, like I and I really like kind of the tier of third baseman between like him and you know josh young the the mm-hmm. the hayes alec Baum, ryan mcmahon Brandon drury jordan walker uh josh young like i like all of those guys and so like if i don't get an elite option hayes is definitely a guy that i'm going to be targeting down the board me too like uh, i'm in again and you know i talked about this power go listen to the third base episode for that thinking that he can get into the team's power, uh, which I think is enough with the steals. I still think the batting average is, is a strong asset, too, that even if he does fall short on that power projection that I have, which is 13 homers with, the I think, the chance to get into the mid to upper teens for Cabrian, um, there's still plenty to like there. Remember last year, the one thing, you know, it, since we're backpatting a little bit here on, like, the Wander stuff, um, the speed hitting, I hit on that yes last year saying, yeah, the power might not be there, but I think he can run a decent bit, 20 steals for you. And look, it was a boring season. Seven homers, 20 steals, 244 average for Cabrian. I did not think he was only going to hit 244. That was really the biggest miss out of his season last year as far as I'm concerned. I still think there's a lot to like. He's 26. There, there's been hype for him. I think Cabrian Hayes is perfect for a post-hype sleeper list or post-hype player, whatever you want. I know people will have problems with the word sleeper, whatever. I don't give a shit. Uh, let's stay at third base and move on to the next guy. Yoan Mankata. Yoan Mankata, now you here. Shouts to the the boys at ITL. I know Bogman will hear that. Um, I think he's definitely got post hype value. He is he's I don't want to say off the board, but my God, has he sunk? He is the twenty eighth third baseman off the board at pick three sixteen. He was pick one fifty six last year. He's basically doubled his ADP this year, more more so, one hundred sixty picks difference, and he was one fifty six ADP last year. Do you have any more hope for Yohan Mankata? He's had long COVID. He's had injuries. He had the strikeout issue that he then briefly fixed and now still kind of has it. And he used to take walks. And then last year it was a 7% walk rate. And he doesn't run anymore. And this, that, and the other. And he's 28. And I still see a world where a fully healthy Yohan Mankata can pop off. I'm not banking on it, but I think he qualifies here as post-hype. What say you of Yohan Mankata? The problem with Yohan Mankata is I don't know who he is anymore. Neither does he. And 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 I don't want to draft guys that oh I have no idea who who they are. Uh, he he's he's an enigma at this point. Like he hasn't been healthy, and so you want to chalk a lot of his struggles up to being healthy or not being healthy. But like at at one point we're like, hey, we're getting power and we're getting speed and we're getting that walk rate. Um, like and and he's still really young. He can grow into more power. He doesn't run anymore, or doesn't run very much anymore. Um, mm-hmm. He hasn't hit for much power. He strikes out yeah. too much. Uh, I think at this point, until we see him do something on the field, like this is just 
prospect pedigree we're banking on, and I don't like betting on that. Not with this I mean, kind of major league track record. Yeah, like I, I don't mind prospect pedigree, but I want a little bit more than just betting yeah. on the fact that Yohan Mankata was a hyped prospect. I agree with you there. Uh, and I, I just want to point that out because I'm somebody who has advocated for prospect pedigree being part of the mix. Shared Kelnick. Like, yeah. part, of, part, of, part of my argument was like he has amazing prospect pedigree and he's even after he struggled in the majors, he went back down to the minors and dominated the minors. And so mm-hmm. I felt like it was just a matter of time before he figured things out the majors. Moncada has such a long track record now in the majors. I mean, even though he's only 27, like, I mean, he's, what is, this is like his seventh season. Yeah. yeah this will be his age 28 season too. So he'll, he'll yeah, like he's played a lot of years in the majors and the vast majority of them, at least the last three have not been good uh, oh. by any stretch of the imagination, especially fantasy wise. Uh, and so it would be one of those out of nowhere seasons though. It really would, because I, I just don't see anything else like, to, to, to believe why it could happen. The only great season he has is the rabbit ball year, 25 yeah. and 10 for Yon Mankata back in 2019. Unless they're bringing back a rabbit ball, which we don't believe is the case. I, I just, I don't know, man. And I tell you what, you know where I could be convinced is if I saw him start running in spring, because that is another thing when we're talking about stuff that you can glean from in spring. If stolen base up chances are, are up, that is a good indicator for a guy that they're going to run in season, that they're feeling a, a yeah. certain level of healthiness, that their uh, manager's encouraging them to run. So if you see five, six, seven attempts by Moncada, even if he's not, even if he's like, you know, uh, two out of seven or something, which wouldn't be great, but, you know, even if he does gets caught a few times, if he's running a decent bit, that could give me some interest in him. But until I see something like that, some sort of indicator, I don't, I'm not really getting back in even at this dirt cheap price for Moncada. No, I just, uh, the only place I would even be willing to entertain it is in a shallow league is like one of my last picks because he's easily droppable. Like I don't want to be him in a 15 team league where I'm going to have to rely upon him. Um, yeah. And so like, it just That's seems fair. so unlikely he's ever going to end up on any of my teams. That's totally fair. Let's, uh, let's talk about another guy that we have discussed during this season, but let's crystallize our thoughts on a uh, former, former guy of ours. Hey, Sanchez, I believe we had him up a good bit last year. We did talk about him the outfield um he doesn't have a spot right now at least not guaranteed you're looking at brian de la cruz jazz chisholm abasal garcia i think that left field spot could be open to where maybe maybe sanchez gets the front side of the platoon he had a bad year right there's there's really no two ways around it he was demoted uh he wound up with 13 homers one steal 214 average bad plate skills the demotion as i mentioned um but he's 25, and there was a lot to like with Sanchez coming up. There's some big power. He had better plate skills that helped breed better batting averages in the minors. Where do we currently stand on a 25-year-old Jesus Sanchez, both in regards to winning that left field job and just in general with him right now? Where do you stand? I don't think he's winning that left field job. Um, I think when they move Jazz Chisholm to the outfield, uh, and as long as they stick with that, which it appears they're going to try to stick with it, at least for the, mm-hmm. the early going, uh, he's out of a spot. And I think he's and you, probably and you like a DLC. You like De La Cruz? I like him well enough. And I think the Marlins like him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Sorry, so, I, I thought I thought he was like a big guy for you. So you just. No, nah, nah, I'm Cruz. fine with. Yeah, okay, I'm okay. fine I with De La Cruz. Um, but I, I think that they, the Marlins have said they want to give. Uh, De La Cruz 500 plus plate appearances mm-hmm. that that's a large I mean they're obviously going to play Soler at DH they're obviously going to play Abasil Garcia they paid both those guys yep. so the Sanchez needs an injury or a trade in order to find playing time uh now luckily for him uh Abasil Garcia gets hurt uh Jorge Soler gets hurt Jess Chisholm gets hurt like there are going to be opportunities but I think off the waiver wire is where he should be um, in terms of your team. Like he's a watchless guy. You're waiting for an injury yep. to happen. And then you jump on him because I do really like him. And if those changes he made late last year in the minors are legitimate, which I think they could be, then I think he could turn into a stud where now they've got a problem to figure out how to get all these guys in lineup when they are healthy. But until he has the opportunity, I'm not drafting him. I don't like on Jesus Sanchez, not drafting him right now. Maybe we draft and hold, but I'm not doing any more of those. So 
I, I don't really see my avenue for him unless he somehow found an injury. You know, someone got hurt and he then um, was anointed to a spot because I totally agree with everything you said. Avi's playing, Solaire's playing, and DLC, they like him. And DLC, uh, Brian De La Cruz has 574 uh, above league average plate appearances on his on his ledger right now. Much better than what Sanchez has done in 623 plate appearances. And much better overstates, and I apologize, 96 to 108 on the WRC+. plus, But better nonetheless. And thus, they like Brian De La Cruz. So there is a sharp discount with Jesus Sanchez. There is some post-hype viability here. But until I see where the playing time's coming from, I'm not, I'm not jumping at it. Let's move on to our next guy, Spencer Torkelson. Pick 253 last year wasn't super expensive for a, a you know a one one. Um, expectations were, were well in check, but he fell on his face big time. Got sent out. Nothing really worked. Came back from his uh, demotion and looked better, but only because he couldn't really look worse. He is down about uh, two rounds, or excuse me, about four rounds, about sixty picks to pick three hundred nine right now. I talked about how I'm not out on torque. I'm not quitting him. I've already drafted him in, in a league or two. I could see myself maybe getting another share as a corner util or even a bench player, really, because he has, you know, pick 300s. Where do you stand on, on Spencer Torkelson here? And what kind of rebound do you see, if any? I mean, at this point, I think this is kind of banking on the prospect pedigree. Um, but we know he's got a ton of power in his bat. He's at times in the minor leagues shown a really good eye for the ball and ability to make contact. And I just want to believe that he's going to make it work. And I think the Tigers are going to give him every opportunity at the major league level this year. Like, I don't think we're going to see him unless he's truly atrocious, but even then, like who cares? Like the Tigers don't need to worry about winning games or anything right now. They're still kind of retooling. Um, so ugh, he's a fallback option in a really deep league for me. That's about it. Honestly, like I, I don't know that I want to draft him in the majority of formats outside of just like a draft and hold a 15 team league where I need a backup first baseman type thing. Like I don't want him, I don't want to be forced to start him every day or every week. That's I think that's totally fair with torque. And that's why I did make sure to mention reserve there um, because where I am drafting him, I don't, I don't have any reliance on Spencer Torkelson right now. I don't have to have him in, um, the draft and holds that I got him, he's not even in, he wasn't even at what would be the corner spot or the util. I literally got him in reserves. And so I think that's where you want to be with Torque right now. I'm not ready to give up on, on him after that first bunk season, but it was bad. It was bad. And, you know, I, I kept looking for more. Like he, I, I've said this a million times on the show, he carried himself like a major leaguer, like he understood, you know, hey, I belong here. I get it. But the results just weren't there. And it's time to really show something with him. And I hope that that we can see that come through here with Spencer Torkelson. Now, this next guy is a little interesting. We're going back to the White Sox. His price is actually up, and yet I do still think there's a little post-hype viability to Andrew Vaughn. Now, he he was perfect for this list last year, right? He um, he had a 93 WRC plus his rookie year, then 113. So he improved, but it was still only a couple more homers, you know, uh, a much better batting average. Like he did pan out. I still think there's some post hype viability here though, because he can play like a top 100 pick. Where do you come in on Andrew Vaughn right now coming off of an improved season, but still not what we were hoping for with Andrew Vaughn. Like I said, the price is actually up here. So he doesn't perfectly fit this going from 261 to 134, but because many still believe he can be like a top 80 top 100 type guy, I decided to include him here just to kind of give you a platform to discuss your Andrew Vaughn thoughts. I really like Andrew Vaughn, and the problem is the market seems to like him a lot more than me for some reason. And like I, I, I think it's it partially because he's finally not going to be like screwed around with in terms of position. Jose Abreu is gone. He's going to be the everyday first baseman. And I think we talk about enough like about guys who like have these not necessarily off the field problems, but like having to learn different positions. Like you look mm -hmm. at his games played last season. And he played 45 games in right field, 44 games in left field, 29 at DH, 23 at first base, two at second base. When did he even – I don't remember him playing I, second I base. I vaguely remember that, like, yeah. Uh, like, but he had to move around. And this is a guy who had never played anything other than, like, first base and DH. I think he may have pitched yeah. in high school. Um, but, 
like he had to learn a lot on the fly, and I think that may have hampered his ability to focus at the plate. Now he gets to focus at the plate. I get it. He hits the ball really, really hard. He's got a fantastic uh, eye for the strike zone. Uh, he makes really good contact for a power hitter. This is one of those guys that has not ended up on my team very often, but I could totally see him being a breakout, and maybe I'm underrating uh, in my projections the ceiling. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I like him a lot, and my wife works with his dad. So, like, that's got to give him, yeah, you know, four or five rounds of value just <laughs> just in general. I I should try to see if she can get him on the podcast with us at some that, point. Now, that would be great. I've got Vaughn for what I would call – uh, a, a breakout here. I, I do have him stepping forward yet again. Another jump in the batting average up to 280 with 23 homers um, and mid to upper 70s in both his runs and ribbies. I guess with the ribbies, that wouldn't really be breakthrough because he had 76 last year. So I guess I can move that up if I want to go in concert with everything else. But I really like Andrew Vaughn. I'm excited about him this year. I still have a lot of hype for him. And again, that's why I included him because I, I still think this is a guy that when you're drafting him at 134, you're you're really hoping that there could be that that big jump for him. Yeah, and I mean I think we could see it. We definitely need him to stop hitting so many balls on the ground. For the love of God, please. You know, but I mean, would it surprise me if he hit like 280 with like 30 home runs this year? Uh, it would not. It would not surprise me at all. And I love the fact that he still retains that outfield eligibility while playing first base only this year. Um, I should try to get him on a team at some point. Um, maybe you don't I have any. I don't like. He just he. There's always someone in in a league that I'm in or a draft that I'm in that likes him a little bit more than I do. Uh, I'm often that guy. Well, at least in the yeah. leagues that we're in together, because I, I still, I still really love Andrew. I'm hoping we're not. Well, I guess we're 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 about to start the head-to-head -head Yahoo yes. draft. Um, we'll be in that one, and then and he I mean, played second base, so I'm sure he's eligible there. Say Yahoo. So um, I know I'm taking him earlier there because of that. By the way, first round uh, pick now. Justin has pointed out that I'm having some audio issues. I don't know if how those are going to translate on the recording. I apologize. I don't know what's going on. There was some goofiness when we first started. We thought we got it hammered out. So I sincerely apologize. I have no clue why StreamYard is messing with my stuff or if my computer's goofing and gaffing. But I apologize. We got a handful more players here that we'll get through, but uh, I hope it's not unlistenable. But no, I think it's fine. Yeah, if it is, but there's, there, there, there are a couple times where you've you've been a little like gargly for some okay. reason. And if any of that is something that you need clarified, hit me up on Twitter at Sporer and I'll re-clarify my thoughts. But yeah, we're very pro Andrew Vaughn here. I'm interested even at the elevated price, which again made him an interestingly weird fit for this list. But this next guy definitely qualifies. Now, he is cheaper, but that's because he wasn't guaranteed to start last year. So Riley Green, I do think fits here, but not in the Andrew Vaughn way. Uh, remember, he was 295 last year because he broke his foot and so he dropped mm -hmm. way down. But he is only 196 because his rookie season was like fine. And I I do think that if the Tigers hadn't sucked so bad, that his his bad season or his rookie season wouldn't be characterized so uh you know modestly, you know, because holding your own a 99 OPS plus in 418 buddy beers, that's pretty good for a 21-year-old. But I think he kind of gets caught in the swampy suckiness of Detroit. And so Riley Green is kind of being underrated. That said. I also worry about his fantasy juice. I don't see big power. He doesn't run. I'm not sure the big batting average is there. So I don't know what to make of him. Pick 196 is certainly fair in my opinion, but I'm not super big on on my uh, my Detroit Tiger guy, Andrew uh, Andrew Vaughn. I wanted them to pick Andrew Vaughn. Riley Green, that's actually who they got in the Andrew Vaughn draft three picks later. But what do you think of Riley Green? We've talked a bit about him before, but like, where is he on a post-type scale? Is he somebody you think could really break through this year? Or do you see like a stair step of like better than last year, but not special? Yeah, um, I think that that last statement kind of completely exemplifies what I think of Riley Green. I think he's going to be better than last year, but I don't think that means he's good. Um, right. Or great by any stretch of the Yeah, I, mean, I think he could be like a 110, 112 WRC plus, OPS plus type. My problem is, like, what are we expecting from him? Aren't we expecting, like, maybe high teams home runs and, like, mm -hmm. handful of stolen bases yep. and, like, a mediocre average? Isn't that a worse version of Alex Verdugo, who's going after him? 
or what we expect from Yoshida. Verdugo, yeah, yeah, like and they're like they're going to the same spot. Verdugo's at least going to either be leading off or hitting second. Um, Yoshida's at least got the like unknown upside, you know Mm -hmm. that. uh, You know, I mean. Wouldn't you rather, like, I don't even like Ramon Laureano because I don't trust him to play games, but, like, wouldn't you rather have Ramon Laureano? Um, or, Wait, you're suggesting that you need to play games to be successful? I believe you do. Um, no, right, like, Justin's on one today, y'all. Sorry, he's bringing these crazy takes. Uh, you know, like, or the relative safety, safety of Andrew Benatendi, or, like, yeah, you know, the power-speed combo of Riley Green, or not Riley Green, sorry, Seth Brown. Um, like, I just, there's so many other guys right there that I'd rather have. I'm just never going to end I, I up with Rayleigh Green. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I and traded you know, him in the Dynasty League. I don't blame you. because I, I got another, Nathaniel Lowe, and I'm, I was very happy with that. If it's another modest year with the fantasy output, then I really do think. Then then maybe next year he's a much better fit for the post-hype, to be honest. But I wanted to include him because I do still hear his proponents talking him up. And I want Riley Green to be great because I am a Tigers fan, but I don't really see it. So you can't say I overrate every Tiger. Now, Akio Badu, I'm drafting him in the third round this year because that guy's... Absolutely. But uh, Riley Green... Because we need to Badu, not Badon't. Thank you. Exactly. Now, this next guy, you can see where the fantasy juice comes from. He's already got a homer and two steals in an early beginning to his spring, but he probably has 412 strikeouts. Actually, he only has three. But what are we doing with Josh Lowe? Because talk about falling on your face. He was a, a Fabapalooza kind of guy going for, you know, easy triple digits, damn near half people's budgets at times on a $1,000 budget. He was pushing up in the 500s, and he did not deliver any of that kind of value. You know, you were thinking a full season of a power speed guy, and you didn't get that. What are we doing with Josh Lowe here after the two homer, three steal, uh, 52 game sample last year? Is he somebody you're going to go back to the well with now that he is um, a pick 342? I mean, I think the question really becomes, do we think that the Rays are going to give him an opportunity to strike out at a 30% clip? Mm, you know, Not off rip, I don't think. And, I mean, do you want – like they? I think they have to kind of play Jose Siri because of Siri's defense. And do you want two guys striking out at a that's, 35% clip? That's at the exactly back end of your roster. Yep. Uh, I, I just don't know that he's going to get the opportunity. Now, if he, if, if we're weak, you know, a week in the future or a week and a half in the future, and he's striking out at a 22% clip throughout spring training, I'm going to start getting really interested. Then I think Manuel Margot needs to look over his shoulder at Josh Lowe. Yeah. That's the thing. I do think there's a path even before spring to get a role it would come at the expense of Margot, where Margot would be like his short side platoon. I agree with that, but as it right, I mean, right it now, could come at it could come at the cost of Siri. They move Margot true. to center. Um, you know, I mean, Siri is he's a great defender, but he's probably a fourth outfielder for most teams. Uh, he's, and he's an interesting power speed guy, but like you said, he strikes out at that same type of clip, and he, he makes Josh Lowe look patient. Like exactly, I was just about to say though, unlike Lowe. Um, uh, pardon me, Siri doesn't take any walks. Yeah. And Lowe has. Now, he didn't in the majors last year, but in his minor league career, he did throughout. Uh, but only 8% clip last year for Lowe, but only 6% for Siri. So, no, I, I'm with that. I totally get it. That said, okay, so 15-team leagues, like like TGFBI, like your main events coming up, you drafted him uh, Lowe as a reserve. Obviously, as spring I... goes, you'll know, but if it was today, would you put him as a reserve on your um, on your main event team? I can, not on mine. Like I can okay. see the argument for it, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. If you're a believer in low, um, then yeah, use one of your last picks on him. And if he doesn't make the team, if he's striking a ton in a few weeks, you just drop him in the first Fab run, uh, because yeah, you shoot for that upside and you hope for the best. But there's other upside plays in the outfield that I prefer. You know, we're gonna talk like so. We're gonna talk about Leody Tavares here in a minute. Um, you know, I'm all, I've been all over TJ Friedel, uh, mm-hmm. as, as kind of my guy. And so, because I have other preferences in the outfield, I'm not going to, but like, I'm not, I, I'm not going to say it's a stupid pick. The upside is immense. If he can make even just marginally below league average contact, uh, he could be a monster. Like, yeah, you Josh know, Lowe like, has rich upside still. He could be Tyler O'Neill. Like I, 
I could totally see it. Like a guy who goes from like a 75% zone contact to, hey, if I can just get it to 80%, which is still, you know, four or five percentage points below league average. But now, but now the power and speed are carrying me to just monster, you know, uh, counting categories. So, uh, like, I could definitely see the outcome. I'm not betting on it. I think that's totally fair, and I agree with you on Josh Lowe. I'm also not betting on it. By the way, Riley Green had a uh, combo meal today. Does that change your mind? It does not. How dare you? That's hypocritical because you did say that you moved Jared Kelenic. Kielinich, I still don't know his name, yeah. up 20 rounds based on his home. No, no, that's not, see, that's not true. I actually moved Kelnick no. down from the first round because he's only had four home runs. I Got expected it. nine by this. He's not reaching your expectations. Yes. Got it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just noticed that that Riley Green did have a uh, combo meal today, which for those that don't know, shouts the 06010 ESPN podcast. That's a homer and a steal in the same game. He now defaults. I know, I know, and there've been other names for it. There's other cool names for Homer and stealing a game, but Combo Meal is still the best one for me. Uh, I, I'm riding and dying yeah. with that one, um, at least in honor of Matthew Barry, Nathan Rabbits, Eric Carabell, and Tristan uh, Cockroft. People can use their other ones. A sock and a shoe. I've heard cool. Awesome. There's, there's some cool ones. Combo Meal for me. Let's talk about the two Phillies. I mentioned that they would be on this list. Alec Bohm, you mentioned him in the third base discussion with uh, regards to Mankata and Hayes and Bryson Stock. They're both guys that have been hyped up. We hyped up Bohm on this very pod a couple of years ago. So he's kind of in his second post-hype year. He did, and this is another one, like he did improve last year, kind of like Vaughn, but maybe not to the degree that his believers still believe he can. And I would count myself among them. I still think there is more to, to Alec Bohm. I don't know if I'm necessarily like dying to pick him, um, but you know he jumped up to a solid 98 WRC plus, 13 homers, 280 average. Yeah, you know, that's fine. As I, you know, the more I raise my voice, the more you can tell I don't think it's that fine. Oh, yeah, it's really fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but Bryson Stott was supposed to be kind of that power speed demon, and he did go 10 12, but with an 83 WRC plus in 466 plate appearances. I think he's the bigger of the two, but I wanted to include Bone just because I figured if I didn't, people would say, well, what about Bone? So, Alec Bone, Bryson Stott, are they post type buys for you that you see more from? Let's start with Bone because, like I said, he did establish a decent level last year. Is there more to that, or is he just a league average type of guy with a decent average and, and modest power output? <laughs> I feel like uh, Alec Bohm is going to be uh, the Phillies version of Yandy Diaz, where everybody's like, if he could just raise that launch angle, if he could just yep. raise that launch angle, if he could just raise that launch angle, and I mean, we're just going to keep. Hayes too, by the <laughs> yeah. Way. Yeah. Right? Same type and... of thing of like, just, just raise. And one, I don't know that guys often want to necessarily raise their launch angle. We want them to because we want them to hit more home runs. But, you know, that often comes at a detriment to other, you know, tools that for certain players, yeah, for certain players, like, are really important. Like, it's really important for Yandy Diaz and a guy like Alec Baum to just make a ton of contact. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily going to turn into a ton of power. And because he doesn't have a ton of speed, like I think that, you know, like there's nothing wrong with being a Thai France type player, right? Exactly. Like, like there's not nothing fantasy viable, but like yeah, he's gonna make millions in the majors if he's just a Thai France type Alec Bohm. And 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 that's what I think Alec Bohm is kind of at this point. Okay. I, there's obviously the opportunity for him. I think he's got a good enough hit tool, and I think he does have enough power in that bat that if he does make a change. Um, then we could see a nice breakout. Obviously not to the level of Vlad Guerrero Jr., but this was Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s, you know, kind of knock, right, before he had the massive breakout was, like, well, the launch angle isn't very good, and, he, you know, yeah, he hits the ball really hard, but a lot of it's on the ground or line drives. Um, and then Vlad said, well, watch this. So could Baum do that and keep the contact skills? Absolutely. And then, you know, maybe he becomes like a 25, 30 homer guy, with a decent average, uh, but I, I don't know until we see something in that profile that says it's going to happen that we can bank on that. Right now, he's a high floor third baseman that isn't going to hurt you, which is fine. Like it's yeah. totally fine where he goes, uh, but I, I don't see uh, anything in the profile that tells me he's going to progress this year. Bohm hit a homer today. How much does that change your opinion? What was the launch angle? 
<laughs> somehow got yeah, that exactly, one. Yeah, exactly. Um, what about Stott then? Because again, more of a dynamic fantasy player in with the power speed, but had a little else to go with it. So you know, had a nice little double double last year: ten homers, twelve steals, but a pretty paltry slash line at two thirty four, two ninety five, three fifty eight. He's twenty five. We saw it in the minors. Is there more coming for Bryson Stott? Um, I think it's just going to be a little bit better version of what we've seen, which is, uh, you know, maybe like a 15, 15 guy, uh, maybe the batting average ticks up a little bit. Uh, and I think he, I think he really relies upon the volume. And so the big concern becomes, can he continue to volume his way on a Phillies team that might be looking for an upgrade midseason, or, you know, or if he goes through struggles could end up sending him down. I don't mind him, especially because he's you know multi-positional eligible, but like he's not a guy that I would feel really comfortable about. Like I, I want him as a reserve pick, not he's necessarily not, as a starter. There, right? I mean, in a twelve-team league, he is. Yeah, but he's seventeenth-round pick in a fifteen-team yeah. league for Bryson Stott. That is. I mean, that's your mi. Yeah. Or your second baseman if you you missed out on everybody else. Like, if you waited. I prefer him in like a 10 or 12 team league where um, I can use him off the bench. If he doesn't succeed, it's really easy to get rid of him. Uh, but in a 15 team league, he just feels like one of those guys that uh, there isn't a ton of upside there. Like I think you, you can get you guys. So? No, I, I don't think he, I think he is like a 15, 15 guy, like, which is fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but like, I don't see yeah. him like turning into a 25 Homer guy or a 25 stolen base guy. Um, and I think he can be 2020, which I guess is in the middle of, of what you're saying. Like, yeah. uh, based on that, that's more based on like, um, what he gave. He, he like fronted the league two months last year, Bryson Stott did, mm -hmm. and he was really bad until June. And then from that point on, let me see what his pace was. Uh, you do his full season pace from June 1st on, it was 16 19. So that four more homers is not nothing. So I don't want to say like 2020 is right there because it's not. Four more homers is a, is a pretty big deal. Um, so I guess let's, you know, 15, 20 are the thresholds if because we, we do everything in fives and zeros in this world. So he's like pretty close to being a 15, 20 type guy from June 1st on. I think he can do that. That is some upside from pick 257 because not a whole lot of guys are doing 15, 20 with a 257, 318, 401 line. And that's what Stott did from June 1st on. So I think there's some upside there. And I think at 257, I actually, I actually wouldn't be – averse to taking him as my mi or util there and then i get another mi viable guy on my bench that way if stock gets cold again and has another bad start i immediately flip to that other guy so i'm i'm, I'm pretty on him. i think i'm gonna take above you on the stato meter yeah that's fine okay yeah not, not a huge argument not a board bet or anything like that there just I, I got a little bit more love for him uh than you do in fact let me see if more money where my mouth is and tell you what my project is well and my money is not where my mouth is uh 14 and 11 is all i put in for that said it does rank him as the 21st second baseman which i think is better than where he's going so i kind of put my money i don't know is it make a full shit um you tell me uh, i'm looking uh stott is currently going as the 20th second baseman. so right there oh okay 24th in this month's OCs, which is what I was looking at. Oh, uh, I was looking at DCs for this month, yeah. Okay, so yeah, well, I'm, I'm close, but um, I'm not like super in. Let's stay at second base then and talk about Nolan Gorman, who is an afterthought now. With everything going on in, in St. Louis, I understand why. I'm not even saying that, but I know you've been a big fan of his. You were big on him last year. He is perfect for this post-type category. Um, again, his price is down because he didn't break camp. So using the ADP comparison doesn't tell the story there but he's only picked 360 because uh he came up he hit for some power but now there's no room at the end for him uh after an 89 game sample with 14 homers and a 107 wrc plus what are you doing with nolan gorman and do you believe in him as a post hype guy that you would put on your team in a 15 team league right now not for this year um i love nolan gorman and i do think he's going to turn out to be a really good player but i don't think it's going to be in a cardinals uniform i think he needs to be traded to another organization you the entire infield is jam-packed with talent 
know. you know, he came came up as a third baseman. He's definitely. Not, I mean, he's not. If Jordan Walker is not supplanting Nolan Arenado, if then third Nolan Gorman definitely. Ain't. Yeah, um, if your Cardinals can't... prospect three B. Sorry, I thought you were done there. If your Cardinals prospect three B, get a new glove. Get a new yeah, glove. Um, sorry, and ahead. he can't he can't supplant um, Edmund at short because he's just Gorman is just an awful defender at every yeah. position, much less shorts mm-hmm. up. Uh, Brendan Donovan is actually turning into a guy that I've been trying to draft kind of everywhere. Uh, you know, he's he's added some more power in the off season. Um, you know, kind of changed changed his swing path. Uh, put on some muscle. He's already hit, I think, two home runs. Um, okay, I didn't know. So that. yeah, so like he and he's triple eligible. You know, eligible second, third, and outfield. Outfield too, yeah. So uh, I, I don't know where Gorman plays. Like no, I just, I, I don't either. I don't think he makes this team. Um, I think he, you know, because Paul DeYoung is out of options. So the, if they if they don't let uh, if they don't let DeYoung become the utility infielder, then they've got to DFA him. Uh, yeah. So like, I think Gorman, he, who's got three options, is going to get set down. I think there's a very good chance he gets traded at some point. Um, you know, he's got to play every day, right? You don't want to waste him. At, you don't want to have Nolan yeah. Gorman at 22. Trade him Miami. Bench guy. Trevor Rogers for Nolan Gorman. Do that it now. seems like a good fit. Um, but, you know, they want their dynamic – Keystone combo. I can't even get it out with a straight face. They want their dynamic Luis Arise, the Joey Giants. There you go. Then you could really root for Alex him. Cobb. I'll give you Alex Cobb okay, for Nolan now, Gorman. Now you're right getting now. silly. Trevor Rogers for Nolan Gorman has some juice to it. Alex Sean Manaya. Kyle Harrison. I'm done. Oh, you okay. can have yeah, done. Okay, I'll take Nolan would, Gorman there. That yeah. could probably get it done. That could probably get it done. Do you think that? St. Louis would be moved by the fact that Nolan Gorman won an MVP in my current OOTP save. You know, I just maybe they haven't heard that because I, I mean, should obviously I you should tweet okay. at them. Yeah, yeah, because he led the league in homers with fifty nine in twenty thirty. Mm-hmm. Or should I just tell them the, of the future that's coming? Don't trade him because in twenty thirty, yeah, Gorman's he's going to hit fifty nine bombs. Absolutely, and he hit forty six um, the year before that. It was yeah, his fourth I mean, 40 homer season, two of which were for my Montreal Expos. I know people really care about this, so I'm going to give you all the great details. Let's move on. We have a couple more guys. You've mentioned this guy. We've been a long time fan of this guy, and yet he's still only 14 years old, believe it or not. Leone Tavares uh, legitimately is 23, which is crazy, by the way, because we really have been hyping this dude for a whole ass minute. Age 24 season, excuse me, but still very, very young. I thought we saw some things last year that have encouraged me. Five homers, 11 steals in a 99-game uh, sample, 93 WRC+. plus. He's one of those guys, Leody is, that if he can be in like the the 90 to 100 WRC plus range, he can play every day, even with a below average. I think he has enough defense and enough juice with the power and speed that he would still be able to play every day, even if he's toting that 93 WRC+. Plus. And he could certainly do so in fantasy. Also hit 261. I know you love him, so explain why you're such a Leone Tavares buyer this year and what you think he's really going to do in a, in a breakout season that you are thinking he can have this year. So obvious caveat is that he's got a low-grade oblique issue that um, may make you know may kind of have him start the year on the IL or, or whatever, uh, but he has the same kind of path that teammate Adolis Garcia had. He's a fantastic defender. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, honestly, he's got a better approach. <laughs> like, he doesn't I mean, have as much. I have power. a better approach than Adelise Garcia. Come yeah, he, he doesn't have he doesn't have nearly as much power, but he's got a ton of speed. And he made league average zone contact in his major league stint last year. Um, I think he's got enough pop where he's not the kind of guy where uh, pitchers would just be like, "Well, we're just going to put it in the zone and make you hit it because you're not going to exactly. get it over second baseman." Like he's he's got doubles and you know uh, power, and he he will hit. For some home runs, like I think he could hit 10, 12 home runs. Uh, and but I also think he could steal like 40 bases. That's um, where I really think Leone could go crazy, yeah. And so, you know, if he's a guy who can hit 260 with you know barely double digit home runs and 40 stolen bases, that's a massive steal. Like, he he's one of the guys that, pun yeah, yeah pun, pun not pun not attended actually. Okay. Uh, 
like he's one of these re- he's one of these guys like late in the draft that I'm really targeting. Like that I'm going okay, uh, yeah. I mean I I you know I paired him and TJ Friedel in back to back picks uh, in my TGFBI draft and felt really really good about the outcome. You now hopefully. Leone Terrest is healthy by the time opening day comes, but it so- sounds like it's not necessarily a major issue, but um, low grade. yeah, low grade. grade. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Leone Tavares. Like I, yeah. I love him. I don't need to reiterate all of that. I'm in, I think it can be just a steals stud with some decent pop too, because you guys know, I don't like just the pure rabbits that are going to give you a sub five homers, even with the good steals. He hit seven last year at AAA, five in the majors, so give him 12 in uh, 562 plate appearances. That's pretty nice for Leody. I think there's some juice there. I just really like Leody Tavares. And our final guy is another guy that you've definitely been a fan of before. I think you're still very much in oh, yeah. him this year. So I will give you the floor on Mr. C.J. Abrams, who, again, doesn't quite fit the um, uh, ADP measure of post-hype because he wasn't really being drafted last year. But he's also not being overdrafted this year. Pick 241 seems pretty fair for somebody with a guaranteed job and his skills. Where do you currently stand on CJ Abrams and what kind of season do you see in his first full year as a national? So, I mean, this is just the classic, you know, guy is a top tier prospect, struggles in his first go around, and people start like, you know, just washing him away. Like they forget just, his name, they don't yeah. know who he is, you know? They, they pretend like he's a bum now because at age 21, he struggled in his first major league call-up. He's going to play every day in Washington. Mm-hmm. He, We know he has a really good hit tool. We know he has a ton of speed, and we know he's not popless. He's definitely not like a power bat by any stretch of the imagination, but like he can do exactly what Leody Tavares can do. Uh, at the shortstop position, and while shortstop is really deep at the top, it has massive cliffs, um, and I like C.J. Abram as, as one of those kind of bailout guys if you miss out on a lot of the you know top-tier shortstops that go in the top 150 picks. So, yeah, I mean, I I think he's going to steal 25-plus bases this year, uh, and I'm totally fine. You know, if you're looking for late speed, like, that's the dude. Yeah, I I, I don't disagree. I, I really don't disagree on C.J. Abrams, especially with the playing every day and the classic uh, forgotten guy after he flops uh, in his first go, especially at age 21, man. And a guy comes up and he flops at age 25, and you're kind of like, well, you're you, you know you're already busting at 25. That's tough. 21, man, man should have been in like double A for God's sakes. In yeah. fact, he originally skipped triple A to get to the majors and then did some triple A work after that this past year. So I like CJ Abrams. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by him. I can definitely see myself jumping on board there as a, as an MI, you know, same type of deal where I would probably get an MI to back him up just in case mm-hmm. things Absolutely. don't quite work out. But um, if he hit, if he went like nine to 12 homers with 25 plus steals this year, I, I wouldn't even be a little bit surprised. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Wouldn't even be a little bit surprised. Okay, so there's a post-hype guys there. Uh, an interesting run of guys. Uh, Wander Franco, Jared Kelnick, Brian Hayes, Yohan Moncada, Jesus Sanchez, Spencer Torkelson, Andrew Vaughn, Riley Green, Josh Lowe, Alec Bowman, Bryson Stott on the Phillies, Nolan Gorman, Leone Tavares, and CJ Abrams. Who's your very favorite of the bunch? Is it is it uh, Abrams or Tavares that you're going to get the most of? Um, no, Kelnick's your number one. It's, yeah, it's probably Kelnick. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. probably Kelnick. But, I mean, I'm going to get a lot of – Abrams and a lot of Tavares as well. And who are you least likely to draft given their prices? I'm probably not drafting Gorman at all. I'm probably not drafting Riley Green uh, at all. I'm probably not drafting Josh Lowe or Mon- definitely not drafting Moncada. Like Moncada yeah. is probably the one on this list that I'm that isn't even on my draft list. Like at least the other guys, they're a part of the equation. Like I could see a world in which hey they drop in a draft. But Yon Mankata is – there is no world in which I'm drafting him this year. Which means he's going to have a monster season. Yeah. Like, he's he, he's going to, like – the power is going to come through finally and the speed's going to return. He's going to go 30-30, um, you know, like in just – like double-digit walk rate again. If you believe in the Justin Mason fame, yeah. then you do need to get on Mokata right now. Absolutely. He's not going to yeah. have him anywhere. You should he there you go. There's your bet for comeback player of the year is Yon Mancata. Just go put ten bucks on him. I'm sure you're getting hundred to one odds. Like yeah. At least, yeah. 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 
I root for him. I really do. But I'm, I'm, I'm with you that I, like I could see maybe one draft and it helps that we're multi-league drafters. So we can kind of get a portfolio quote unquote. I know some people don't like terminology like that, but like, you know, we can get guys to take different shots, but if you're in a, if you're in one or two leagues, I, I, I don't take many chances on, on some of these guys because mm-hmm. I just, I really don't see much hope for Moncada. Yeah. So, me neither. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up tomorrow. I will release the AL version of the Eric Longenhagen Megapod nice. there that we did. Uh, a lot of good feedback on the National League one. If you like the National League one, you're going to love the AL one because it's an hour longer. So you get three hours of goodness. Eric's so unbelievably generous with his time. He's the man. And uh, you and I will be back on Friday. And I don't know what we're going to talk about yet. So we will figure something out. If, hey, right. if you have a suggestion, hit us on yeah, Twitter. Definitely hit us up. It was Brian H., I believe was his name. Brian H. Thank on you. Twitter. Uh, and we're, you and I, I, I started the uh, the Sleeper in the Bus uh, Dynasty draft uh, today. So uh, I'll be starting maybe. another draft soon. I'm on deck. I'm on deck. So uh, hopefully, you get gonna... the first round. Oh no, this is the first round. Um, oh, 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 so oh. I'm I'm oh, either gonna I'm either gonna get Trey Turner or Jose Ramirez at eight. Um, what what league did you get Tucker in that you were saying earlier? That was Raz Slam. Pardon me. Pardon me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was that league. So yeah. you got. I'm Raz really Slam. just stalling right now because I think if we finish in about 45 seconds, then the podcast will be 69 minutes long. Oh. Okay. Okay. So okay. I'm dead. Well, but yeah. So the and then we're drafting uh, tomorrow. We're going to start the uh, the slow draft for the head to head categories leagues. Yes. On so join the I'll Patreon. Join the Discord. Uh, we're still trying to talk about putting together a vampire league. There was some interest mm-hmm. after the last episode. I'll so. That too. Yeah, so we're, in that. Um, and I think I'm going to be the vampire, mostly because I think it'll be more fun with me. I think that's so, fair that one of us yeah. be the vampire, and since it's your idea and you're running all this, you get to be the vampire. I think that's yeah, fair. yeah. You're doing a great job with everything, by the way. I want to just give you a Thanks. public credit here, getting everyone into the D- Discord and the Patreon with all these leagues and running them. You're so good at running stuff like this. I envy your ability to organize. I don't have that same gene but i'm glad that you do so that at least one of us does so thank you so much this is awesome i can't wait to do the head-to-head league with folks and uh hopefully steamroll i I hope to crush everyone yeah yeah that i'm 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 looking forward to crushing everyone that should be 69 minutes yeah okay perfect all right i had the intro intro. take it easy